Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Before we jump into today's program, in which we are going to talk about arts organizations uh, during the pandemic, and hopefully with easing of the pandemic, uh, we have some unfinished business from a couple of previous programs. So from yesterday, uh, you'll recall we did a nonprofit spotlight at the Great Response, and we're able to highlight some great nonprofits and individuals doing good around Utah. Uh, we had a bit of audio. Uh, sent to me by uh, Patrick Kelly, Director of Education at the Stokes Nature Center. And I confessed uh, then, (laughs) uh, Patrick Kelly, that I did not pre-read that carefully enough. I thought it was just text. Uh, So your creativity in sending me audio uh, went unused, but not forever. So we're going to hear that uh, now. Here's uh, the bit of audio highlighting Stokes Nature Center sent in by Patrick Kelly. Hi. I'm Patrick Kelly, Director of Education for the Allen and Alice Stokes Nature Center here in Cache Valley. Our mission at Stokes Nature Center is to provide nature education and promote outdoor exploration of our natural world. At the beginning of 2020, Stokes Nature Center had an ambitious plan to expand our programs in a number of areas and dramatically increase the ways the public can engage with our work. However, as we know, all that changed in March when the pandemic shuttered all in-person programs. Within 48 hours, though, Stokes had launched its first virtual program called Staying Home with Stokes, and we continue to offer virtual and hybrid programs throughout the remainder of the year. Once we had appropriate measures in place, we restarted some in-person programs, but with dramatically lowered numbers of participants and with physical distancing requirements. This changed the way we engage with people, but even so, we're proud to say that in 2020, we served far more people than ever before. In 2019, Stokes Nature Center is able to serve over 12,600 people with our programs. In 2020, even in the midst of a global pandemic, and because we were flexible and nimble, we were able to serve 20,470 people here in Cache Valley, teaching them to love and appreciate our natural world. Another amazing way we were able to serve our Cache Valley family was through our free programs. Of the over 20,000 people that we serve through our programs, 17,900 were through our free programs at no cost to families. These were online programs, digital programs, free readings, lectures, concerts, invigorating the arts, and invigorating the curiosity of everyone who calls Cache Valley home. We were able to do this because of the dedication and resilience of our staff and of our community, our Cache Valley community. For more information about Stokes and the work we do, you can visit us online at logannature.org. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, Access Utah. And here's to a brighter 2021 with nature for everyone. Hear, hear. That's a great to hear from Patrick Kelly, Director of Education at Soaks Nature Center. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, logannature.org is the place to go to find out more about Stokes Nature Center. Logannature.org. And a shout out to Patrick. Uh, he's one of the contributors to our Wild About Utah series as well. So thank you for that. Uh, we have uh, this comment that came in, oh, a few days ago. Recall we talked with Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson and with Susan Madsen. Uh, with the uh, Utah uh, Women in Leadership Project um, about uh, women in leadership, about the uh, governor and lieutenant governor's 500-day roadmap, which includes a section on equality and opportunity. And uh, during that program, 
We had a comment come in, a question from James in Washington, Utah, which we were able to read on the air. Uh, He talked about the recent resignation of the chair of the Salt Lake County Republican Party, uh, illustrating how some of the toxic personalities drawn to politics discourage others from getting involved. And then he asked Dr. Madsen if uh, she was uh, aware of uh, some... uh, uh, some measures, some changes that could be made to uh, change uh, how we elect representatives, choose representatives. And later in the program, I'm sorry, Glenn, I missed this, and so we'll read this now. We had this from Glenn in the Ona Basin. Uh, he says, hello, I would like to hear whether Dr. Madsen has had any dialogue with Republican women and their feelings about uh, the direction of the party after Trump. I'm speaking about the popularity of the party as shown by the most recent election, contrasted with the equal popularity of statements made by Trump, which were misogynist, chauvinist, etc. Not to mention Trump himself calling many women ugly and pigs. Do our women leaders really feel comfortable with this in Utah as Republicans? So, uh, Glenn, I'm sorry we won't uh, have the opportunity to get a response from Susan Madsen on that, but I did want to get that out to our listeners. Keep those comments coming to upraxcess at gmail.com. Today on the program, we're going to check back in with arts organizations. We've done this a couple of times during the pandemic. And we're going to see how these organizations have fared in difficult circumstances, what creative new ideas might have become standard practice now, and what the future looks like. And we're going to ask you how your habits have changed during the pandemic, what you're most looking forward to attending as things ease a bit. And if you're with an arts organization, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Tell us how your organization is doing. Our guests uh, will include today Wendy Hassan, who is Executive Director of the uh, Cash Valley Center for the Arts. Uh, Wendy, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Tom. Appreciate uh, having you with us. Uh, we are also bringing in uh, Daniel Sharon, Artistic Director with the Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here. And Corey Evans, a USU Director of Choral Activities, is with us. Thank you. Thanks. I'm excited to be here, Tom. Thank you. Let me start with uh, Wendy Hassan. Um, just for, uh, I think a lot of people in Cache Valley be, uh, know what you do, but uh, there, there may be folks around the state who don't know what Cache Valley Center for the Arts is. Uh, tell us. Absolutely. Cache Valley Center for the Arts manages three publicly owned arts facilities, historic arts facilities, the um, thousand seat. Ellen Eccles Theater, the Bullen Art Center, where we have ceramics classes, art, dance, music, um, and an art gallery, and the Thatcher Young Mansion, which hosts a magician, musician studios, and more art classes and gallery space. Very good. Uh, Daniel Sharon, uh, tell us about Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company. Yeah, hi there. Uh, Ryrie Woodbury, we're a contemporary dance company based in Salt Lake City. Uh, we've been around for 57 years, and we have so much different programming we do. We do programming for uh, lots of education and outreach programming for K-12 through students, uh, college students, and many different uh, populations of senior citizens, um, and just kind of anybody who wants to move and, and um, we try to reach. And then we also have artistic programming where... Uh, we commission artists from all over the world to create work on the company. This work is premiered here in Salt Lake City for the first time traditionally um, in normal years. 
And um, then we take this uh, work and we tour it all over the states, all over the country, and sometimes even the world. All right. Uh, very good. And uh, Corey Evans, uh, your USU Director of Choral Activities, uh, tell us about your uh, programs. Well, uh, we, we have, uh, you know, a number of choirs here at Utah State. I'm also affiliated with the American Festival Chorus, which is our large uh, community uh, ensemble here, as well as the Cash Children's Choir. So all kinds of singing in Cash Valley, and uh, it's been an interesting year for sure. Great. We'll be able to ask you about, uh, I guess, several organizations there. Um, so I want to get to kind of the, the lay of the land, the, the start with the difficulties, and then we'll get to the creativity and uh, maybe a very bright future. Uh, Wendy Hassan, what, uh, I mean, there are obvious difficulties. Tell us about those uh, for an arts, arts organization when everybody is told to stay home or, or not together. Absolutely. This is what we do. We bring people together. And when it's impossible to be physically together, then it's a little bit harder to do. And it takes us some time to put our works together. So you imagine the time it takes to schedule and then rehearse and then prepare and then tell everybody that the show is happening and then sell tickets to the show and then get everybody lined up to be at the venue at the right time. And so when mass gatherings were were shut down, we weren't able to do what we do well. And we're very good at putting things together. We're not so good at taking them down. So when we've had to postpone shows and reschedule things and then have to go chase down all of the marketing and everything we've told everybody about all the previous plans, it gets very confusing very quickly. But we've been so pleased that our audiences have been flexible enough to stay with us as we've adapted and changed and, and tried to do work in this really, really difficult time. We all also found that we need that connection of being in the same space together and that when we are isolated, we tend to kind of find less opportunities to meet people who think differently than us, to have conversations with people who are from different backgrounds. And it has an impact, I think, on how, how we treat each other and our, our well-being emotionally. We turn next to Daniel Sharon. Uh, tell us about difficulties uh, <laughs> running a dance company during the uh, pandemic. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, like Wendy said, I mean, so much of what we do and pretty much everything that we do is about people coming together. And that goes anywhere from uh, we're a six-member company, so there's six dancers that we employ full-time, and um, me. And so the seven of us are in the studio together all the time, and so... Immediately, we weren't able to be in the studio together, and um, and even as we try to come back and, and we're, we're working this year, the inability to touch, to partner, and sometimes even share space within a studio. And so that was very uh, challenging from the get-go. Um, and then all the outreach that we do, and so these six dancers work with our education director, I. Fuji Nelson, and typically we go to schools. And we go all over the state and we visit kids and we visit people all over the state and we go into their spaces, we go into their tiny classrooms, we go into the um, gyms and auditoriums to do lecture demonstrations and interact and mingle and touch and partner and, and do all these really fun and creative things. And with the pandemic, all of that was just, um, you know, as everybody's experiencing, all of that was just kind of uh, taken away. And then from that point... We just had to kind of figure out how to shift and adapt and move forward. But, I mean, the most basic challenge is just physical contact, being able to be in space with people and, and interact and move together that way. 
You said earlier um, your company works with anybody who wants to move. I like that. Uh, so that's you're referring to your, your outreach there, which I hadn't been familiar with. I've been familiar with other arts organizations' outreach. I should have assumed Ryrie Woodbury would have such, but uh, you, you do go out to, I guess, in normal times to classes and other groups. Yeah, I mean, our, the company motto is dances for everybody. And so that can mean um, people that are, uh, you know, dancers and people that are non-dancers, people who've never danced in their lives. We, we believe that everybody has a body. And because everybody has a body, everybody can move. And so yeah, it does pertain to our uh, outreach for sure when we go and interact with different populations of people. But it also has to do with our, um, you know, performances and having people coming and watch performances or critique performances or experience performances in a certain way as viewers. And so we really find the, the motto of dances for everybody all-encompassing. We turn next to uh, Corey Evans. You mentioned that you... Uh in a way, represent uh, three organizations uh, with us today, so that's great. Um, so, the you know, the, your programs there, choral activities at USU, also American Festival uh, Chorus and Orchestra, and the Cash Children's Choir, you're involved in all three of those. So, I guess probably similar problems through the pandemic with all three of those. Exactly right, Tom. You know, if you'll remember, kind of at the beginning of all of this, singing was sort of identified as sort of the super spreaders, right? I mean, it sort of began and we hear these nightmare stories of choirs becoming ill and so there was we entered this pandemic with such a fear of what's this going to be like and it's been difficult you know we've many choirs have have just stopped meeting altogether uh or have done you know the whole virtual choir thing which is a completely uh unique experience because you know they're they're learning their music they're they're singing it in their in their home to a computer and then somebody's editing it all together. We've all seen the, the Hollywood Square type videos and those are really difficult. And wearing masks when you sing, I mean, you know, imagine a, a football player trying to run with a, you know, an elastic around his legs or something. I mean, it's just the mask makes singing so, so difficult. And uh, it's just been, it's been really difficult to, to have to put things together um, and to try to make choir work. But we've seen some amazing projects and things that have happened this year through it all. And I guess the, that's to say nothing of, uh, you know, lacking an audience. Uh, it's hard, hard to reach an audience when they're not able to gather. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that, that's half the thing is just you, you as a performer, and, and I know Wendy and those guys can, can relate to this, but as a performer, you feed off of who you're performing for. And when you're singing to a video screen or a computer screen, it's a, it's a completely different experience. Well, we're talking about arts, arts organizations during the pandemic. We've checked in a couple of times, checking in again today. Uh, things look like they're, you know, opening up uh, slowly but surely, hopefully. Um, and uh, we, we're checking in uh, today with uh, Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of the Cache Valley Center for the Arts, Daniel Sharon, Artistic Director with the Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company, and Corey Evans, USU Director of Choral Activities. As we go along, we'll give these folks a chance to uh, tell us what is happening. I know Ryrie Woodbury and uh, Cache Valley Center for the Arts are uh, partnering with uh, an event in Logan on Monday, so we'll give them a chance to tell us what's coming up, and uh, Corey Evans as well. Uh, if you are with an arts organization, I'd love to hear from you. The difficulties you've encountered, creativity with with, with which you have uh, approached the pandemic, and lessons going forward. 
uh, tout your favorite uh, or or your current uh, activities, upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com is the email. Or uh, perhaps uh, as listener, what have you missed the most? What are you looking forward the most to going back to as the pandemic eases? Uh, same email, upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com. We'll have more following this break. Programming on you is made possible in part by our members and Salt Lake City Weekly, a Utah news source since 1984, covering music, dining, nightlife, and more in Salt Lake City and beyond. Available weekly at 1,800 locations across the Wasatch Front or online at cityweekly.net. The first 100 days of a new presidency are a time for America to reset our national agenda. This is Brian Lehrer from WNYC. Join me, my guests, and listeners from around the country for live national call-in shows Thursday evenings for the first 100 days. How will we all get vaccinated, create jobs, fight racism, and restore our democracy? America, are we ready for the first 100 days? Thursday evenings at 6 here on Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and we're checking in once again with arts organizations. Of course, arts organizations were hit particularly hard by the pandemic uh, with restrictions on gathering. Uh, you can't uh, have an audience. That was the case during part of the pandemic, or you can't have a very large audience. Uh, the case uh, maybe in some cases still. Um, and uh, just concerns. Uh, Corey Evans brought up the, the problem of, of just singing. Uh, well, that, that hits a choral uh, organization pretty hard. Now, as things are maybe easing a bit, we are checking back in, and we're talking with Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of the Cache Valley Center for the Arts, Daniel Sharon, Artistic Director with the Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company, and Corey Evans, USU Director of Choral Activities. So, Wendy Hassan, uh, tell us about how Cache Arts uh, got creative. I want to do that round of questions, starting with you. What uh, Once things were able to open up just, uh, you know, the... the, the door was open just a crack um uh how how did you uh, how did you cope what creative methods did you use what a great question and we are the space right so there are 50 different organizations that utilize these spaces and then we also coordinate regionally with other arts producers so we've had kind of a front row seat to what people are doing in order to to stay functioning and to stay together and to keep spirits up and to keep artists employed being artists. Um, Logan Youth Shakespeare moved their rehearsals online. They were doing Shakespeare readings on Zoom. Uh, New Horizons Orchestra also did virtual programming. Ceramicists used the same space, but they just expanded their hours so they could have fewer people in. And ceramics has never been so busy, as far as I know. The artist gallery closed at first, moved a lot of their works online for people to view. Gallery Walk went online with an online artist engagement experience. But when you get to the theater section, that became, of course, a challenge, because we had this facility that has heavy expenses, and we have this team that programs the facility, and we have all of these artists out of work. And with generous funding from our sponsors and from the community and the support of the community, and most importantly, Utah having guidelines specific to the arts, we've been able to hold about 60 performances during the pandemic in our 1,100-seat theater. The smallest one was 13 people. There were more folks on stage than there were in the audience. (laughs) But 
it meant something to stay open and it meant something to continue to provide performance and income opportunities to artists. That really distills what what the arts are, isn't it? Uh, the, the, the good that arts can do. Uh, for those people yes. who came out, I guess it meant something, even though they were out- outnumbered by people on the stage. We had so many people say thank you. Just thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being open. Yeah. Daniel Sharon, t- tell me about uh, Ryrie Woodbury. Uh, how did you cope? What creative methods did you come up with? Oh, man. Well, we have not done anything for live audiences yet. And actually, the first performance we're going to be doing for our live audiences on Monday um, with Wendy. So we can talk about that a bit more later. Um, and we're very excited about that. We just, you know, we were very lucky to be in a county facility. So we're in a facility that is run by the Salt Lake City County. And so we were very lucky to be kind of under their guidelines and their um, viewpoint. So we we were able to come back as a company in the studio and working and rehearsing and working on our teaching. Again, it was, it was a small group of us. There were only seven of us. And we went to a lot of workshops and seminars to, to understand how to try to come back and be together safely masks, social distancing, all that stuff. We haven't touched all year, and so we're really kind of being very conservative about coming back. But I think the biggest thing is the shift to online programming. And I think as we approach that, we really saw it as something that doesn't replace or we're not settling for video programming um, as something that's um, second to a live performance or a live outreach activity. But we really try to utilize the medium um, and optimize the medium and make content content specific for the medium of, of video. And so we actually got some really great funding. We put a lot of investment in video programming, uh, filming our performances and not filming them like a typical archival shot of a dance performance, but using the cameras creatively, getting the cameras up on stage to change the vantage point and give people perspectives that they wouldn't typically see in a dance performance. And so I feel like we found a way to be really creative about the work we did. We also created a, 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 a outreach program called Blue Sky Theater, um, which both brought our um, company to schoolyards. So we did actually do a few performances in schoolyards for children outdoors. I guess that would be the one live kind of event we did. But we created a wonderful film based on our in-person lecture demonstrations. Uh, and again, I don't know that would, that would have happened um, in the past, but it just really uh, pushed us to be super creative in offering unique and dynamic programming that's optimized for the screen. Yeah, that does sound like a lot of creativity there. Um, necessity being the mother of invention, right? Um, you, you said it really struck me uh, you haven't touched all year. Uh, for a dance company, that's, <laughs> that's got to be got to be hard. Yeah, you know, it is. It is. We're just so used to being physical. And um, and as a choreographer myself um, and, and choreographing throughout the pa- pandemic and making work, it proved to be a really um, challenging limitation. But again, you know, once you approach a limitation from a positive standpoint and it's something that can push you in new directions, uh, you problem solve and you figure it out and, and you you, it pushes you to do things that maybe you wouldn't have thought of before. And so the more that we could change our focus in the, from this is a negative thing and this is hard and challenging to this is actually, what can we, how can this be positive? How, what creativity um, can we find through this? And, and um, just try to be positive about the whole thing. And I think we did a, a really good job of that. Everybody got very close this year, the dancers and 
Um, it was just a very special year in terms of um, developing personal relationships and kind of the family aspect of what we do. Uh, Corey Evans, uh, USU Director of Choral Activities, uh, I know you've gotten creative. We talked about it a bit with our Winter Songs program, annual Winter Songs program during Christmas time. Uh, tell us a bit about that or anything else that uh, maybe we didn't talk about at that point. How, how did you get creative? Well, first I have to say I love hearing, uh, you know, Wendy and Daniel are talking about because I have to make a confession. This year has probably been one of my favorite years uh, as a teacher and a creator. And, uh, you know, you think about all the hardships that we've had, but I can relate to what these, what these guys have talked about. I mean, for instance, uh, we have looked at how do we, how do we make music? We're going to create videos. And we've done similar things. We've, you know, we've acquired video equipment, drones, cameras, and we've gotten creative with how we make music videos. And I really think that's going to change, uh, the way we look at things after this is over. I mean, I think videos can be such a fantastic way to communicate music, choral music, or any music. So we're going to keep doing that, and it's been a really great thing for us. Um, we've also, if you've been on, on USU campus, you've seen we, uh, we were given a tent, a huge kind of circus tent that we rehearsed uh, under in the fall to be able to be safe. And from that tent, we devise kind of a tent concert series that we're going to continue on in the years to come, where people can come and, and just observe and watch music outside under this tent. And that was kind of a, uh, a fortunate thing that happened as well. We've also, you know, gotten creative. With, we're just like, okay, so if we can't sing, let's put together some ensembles where we're not singing. So, like, we put together a handbell ensemble, and we've created a couple of music videos with handbells. And so it's been a really challenging but a wonderful year for us to get creative and find new ways to put our music out there. And I really think that this will be something that we look at in the future as well. So it's been a good experience. It's, it's probably, you know, you talked about it, you deal with students. It's a very interesting, challenging year, but probably good for their learning. You, you know, and that's an excellent point that you bring, Tom. It's the students that I've worried about. You know, this whole experience of having to come to class and wear a mask and sit apart and not really have experience. But they have really risen to the challenge, and it's been really kind of neat to see how they keep coming to class and they keep having a great experience and enjoying the singing and uh, and just the opportunity to be in a group together and make music has been uh, really enlightening for me to see how they respond. So it's been cool. So my next question, we've already alluded to it a couple times here. I'll do this in reverse order. I'll start with uh, Corey Evans. By the way, we're talking with Corey Evans, USU Director of Choral Activities, Daniel Sharon, Artistic Director with Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company, and Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of Cache Valley Center for the Arts. We're talking about arts organizations and right now how they've gotten creative during the uh, pandemic with the limitations and uh, maybe some very creative ways. So, Corey Evans, the question, I'll ask each of you, uh, starting with you, uh, you made allusion to this. Um, which of these creative methods is going to uh, stay with you in the future? You've, you've, you've found some great creative ways, and even with the pandemic lifting, which we hope it will, uh, that you'll carry forward. Oh, that's a great question, Tom. I- I'm going to just jump right on it. I think, I think video content is so important. And, and if there are any 
arts people that are listening, and I know there are art people that are listening to this program right now, choral directors, music, whatever it is, I think video is the future. And, and I love that we've been able to create and see different ways that we can both make videos that kind of stand on their own as a performance, but I've also thought, you know what, in the future, we're going to create some videos, and we might even show them as part of our live performance. Um, and to create a real interest, it's just a new canvas, a new concert hall, if you will, for being able to share our music. And it's been neat to to learn editing techniques and see how the students really are the pros at this. Um, and uh, there's just so much creativity with being able to use video elements. And, and I've, I've loved that experience, and I look forward to doing it in the future. Patrick, uh, or Daniel Sharon, excuse me, um, you you talked about some very creative things you've been doing at Ryrie Woodbury. What what of those will you carry forward in the future? Excellent question. Excellent question. Unknown, but we are talking about it. I, I think that um, it's true that things are going to change. I feel like we're at a crossroads at an evolution of dance and, and the arts and and post-pandemic is going to be a whole different thing. Um, I, I think that there is there's no replacement for the live in-person performance, the ephemeral nature of dance, the three-dimensional uh, nature of dance, the being in the room and the visceral experience that can be experienced through dance. But I think the beauty of um, the video is, again, um, I think it's not going to, um, it's going to be a part of what we do in some way or another. Uh, the, the reach that we've had has been incredible. In some ways, we've reached more people than we have in the past because now we can look beyond our borders and uh, people all over the United States and around the world are, are coming to our performances. Um, we can reach uh, school kids in areas that are really hard to reach. And so I think that as a supplement to what we do, the video work is going to be uh, incredible. And I also think that investing more in um, much better archival footage and much better ways to document what we do is going to be super important. So I, I feel like there's going to be some sort of hybrid situation between the live performance um, and, the, and the, um, the opportunity to, to view dance on demand or streaming or, or in that way. But we're definitely having that conversation now and, and trying to figure that out. Wendy Hassan, what, uh, what things have you learned at Cache Valley Center for the Arts that you may well carry forward? Well, I think we heard in the answer to the last question, both from Daniel and Corey, how both of them saw the restrictions and then saw the opportunities within those. They saw things you can't do, but then focused on what they could. And this year has made everybody think like artists. <laughs> We've all had our personal struggles before this, but this is a big, common, shared experience. And like Daniel said, we've reached people we've never reached before. We've and had more compassion, perhaps, for others going through their journey, because our journey has more similarities than it has in the past. So what I'm hoping we take forward is that embracing of the artist's spirit, the recognition of how much we missed what we had, and the rebuilding of it in a way that builds that relationship and keeps us close to each other. 
Let's take another break. We're talking about the arts during the pandemic. Now we hope uh, nearing the end-ish, maybe the beginning of the end of the pandemic, um, and uh, talking to some representatives from arts organizations, Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of the Cache Valley Center for the Arts, Daniel Sharon, Artistic Director with the Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company, and Corey Evans, USU Director of Choral Activities. Uh, when we come back from the break, we'll talk about some upcoming performances, including Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company in Logan on Monday. Uh, we'll talk uh, about that and more following this break. The Utah Women and Leadership Project will host the virtual event Rising Athena's Male Allies and the Power of Gender Partnership Friday, April 9th at noon. Drs. David Smith and Brad Johnson, authors and global experts, will make the business case for male engagement in gender equality, showing why genuine equity is good for both men and women. Registration details at usu.edu slash uwlp. This event is sponsored by the USU Huntsman School of Business, Utah Education Network, and Utah Public Radio. This is Katie Swain, and I'm so happy to report that we have reached our $50,000 spring fundraising goal, and we've even exceeded it. Throughout our spring member drive and in the weeks to follow, so many of you heard the call for support and answered it in strength. Thanks to all of you who donated for supporting fact-based, thought-provoking journalism and conversation on UPR. Your involvement during this critical time is so very important, and your financial support allows us to continue connecting listeners across Utah to vital programming and information. We cannot thank you enough. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We are talking about arts during the pandemic. We've checked in a couple of times, doing again uh, so today, and we're talking with Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of the Cache Valley Center for the Arts, Daniel Sharon, Artistic Director of the Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company, and Corey Evans, USU Director of Choral Activities. You're welcome to join this program with your question or comment to upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. So, Daniel Sharon, you, you mentioned that the, this performance coming up on Monday in Logan uh, the the first quote unquote regular performance since the pandemic. Uh, yeah, quote unquote regular. This is the first time that we're going to be in front of a live audience since the pandemic started, and um, we've been filming all our content this year. Uh, we actually have a we're filming our last show tomorrow, and this is the show that we're going to be bringing to Logan on Monday. And um, Wendy was great to work with. I think she was very patient. Uh, with us and we were just uh, kind of waited to the last minute to confirm with her just you know seeing the state of the world and, and how everything was going and um yeah it was just i think it was a really great moment to to work with her and work with her organization and i think that it's um it's a great moment of kind of community and support and um, we empathize with each other as arts organizations and and trying to come back and recover from the pandemic it's something really natural about it in terms of geographically. It's, it's a very easy tour for us in terms of we can, um, we can drive up. We're going to caravan in different cars, and we're going to drive up the morning of the performance, spend the day there, do the show, and come back. So there's no hotels involved. There's no airplanes involved. And she's just been really great and accommodating and, and listening to what our concerns are and working with us to uh, make sure that that we feel safe and that our dancers feel safe. And um, it's just been a nice uh, relationship working with Wendy. Well, uh, tell us about the, the, the piece, uh, or, or several pieces or one piece. Tell, tell us about what people will experience if, uh, if they come out yeah, on Monday. 
Yeah, we're doing three works on that program. We're doing um, two pieces that were actually scheduled to premiere a year ago. And in the first show that we had to cancel, these two particular pieces were on. Uh, one piece is called I Can See Myself by a choreographer named Andrea Miller. Andrea actually grew up in Salt Lake City, um, but she has a company now in New York. And uh, it's a really fun, crowd-pleasing, quirky, wild, joyous, um, ecstatic dance. And so it should be really fun for the audience to watch. Another piece is by a Chinese-American choreographer named Inyue. And so these are both examples of, of uh, commissions that the company does. And we, we commission outside artists to make work on the company. Um, that This piece is a little bit, it's much more mesmerizing and, and poetic and um, very contemporary feeling dance. And then um, it's really a world premiere. The first time a live audience will see a, a new piece by um, a, a choreographer named Charles O. Anderson, and it's called Rights. Uh, Charles Anderson, he's the artistic director of a company called Dance Theater X, which is an Afro-contemporary dance theater company. And this piece is really relevant right now, and it has to do about um, the individual in solidarity with a group. Um, it has to do with, um, like, resilience and resistance in the face of ongoing oppression. And so it's a really relevant uh, work now, inspired by, you know, the movements around civil rights movements and um, different civil rights movements like black women, Hispanic, LGBTQIA. So it's really a, a deep and, and profound and poetic work right now. Sound like some very interesting works. Uh, so Wendy Hassan, uh, give you a chance to plug away. How, uh, how can people, <laughs> uh, how can they get tickets? How can they come? Absolutely. Tickets are on sale at cashearts.org. Performance is Monday night at 7.30. And we have, a, we have seats available and remaining the seating will be distanced, so expect to be a little bit apart from everyone else. And we are requiring masks. This is a good opportunity for me to remind everyone that although the state's mask mandate does expire on the 10th of April, that does not uh, include events with more than 50 people. So if you're planning to attend the arts, be prepared to keep that mask on hand. We want to come back. We want to come back safely. Very good. Uh, I want to follow up. Um, you, um, Daniel, mentioned uh, the, the work you did, uh, kind of the "quote unquote" negotiation behind the scenes, had accommodations due the due the unusual circumstances. I imagine you're having to do that with all the groups you bring in. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, and, and maybe mention some other performances uh, upcoming. Of course. My pleasure. So this performance, this engagement with Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company has actually been more than two years in the making. They included our venue in a grant that they wrote to the National Endowment for the Arts, and it will actually, I believe, Daniel, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's actually, we're going to be able to fulfill our hope to include the pieces ex inspired by the Utah Museum of Fine Arts' uh, Black Refractions exhibit that closes on uh, Saturday, I think. Yeah, that's correct. The work of Charles O. Anderson uh, was was made in collaboration with the, with that exhibit and in, in coordination with that. So, and yes. while it is sold out, you can still get uh, access to the digital programming online at the Utah Museum of Fine Arts website. So we had this plan for this performance that was supposed to happen last November, and of course. 
we have to be flexible with each other right now because the most important thing is our own health and safety. And we knew that our first chance to get a live touring production back would be our neighbors to the south. Ryrie is so close to us. We're so fortunate that we'd already been talking about this performance. And even better, although they weren't able to do the live public performance in November, they were able to do the interactions with the students. We engaged 325 students in a virtual lecture demonstration. Daniel's already talked about the virtual programming they've done with students, and 128 students in an interactive masterclass. So while some of the products we've been working on, some of the performances we've been working on have been delayed, they're all still in the plans. And we have engagements with artists that have been pushed as far as February of 2023 now with a company from Australia that we just can't, can't anticipate getting within the next year. But a quick spoiler, we will have one more live touring show in this year. It'll be in May, May 21st and 22nd, and I can't announce it till next Friday. So stay tuned. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, we'll be on tenterhooks. And uh, Wendy, uh, as far as we know, I think we're planning on UPR and Cash Arts having, uh, hosting the moth, right? Yes, in October. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. And as we talked about almost a year ago when we were talking about how the arts were doing in the pandemic, pandemics make for great stories. So look up the moth and pitch a story if you want to be a teller in our engagement in October. For those who don't know, the Moth Radio Hour, it's uh, true stories told live. And uh, so the moth, is, we, we hope, <laughs> we're, we're on tender hooks with that. We hope they'll be here in October. And as a part of that, you could be on the stage telling your story. You just go to the, the Moth website to, uh, to apply. Uh, great. Well, uh, Corey Evans, uh, tell us what, what you're working on. Uh, any upcoming performances? Uh, what, what, are, uh, what are you working on? Yeah, well, I tell you first of all to hear these two talk about uh, their live shows and things coming up—it's just so exciting. And this is kind of what we're dealing with right now in in choral music and and in music in general. Uh, we're we've got our ear to the tracks in terms of what you know. What are the safety precautions coming up? We don't see any live performance with choral music, uh, you know, in the immediate future. But we're really talking about. How, how's next year going to look, and are we going to meet together? But in the meantime, I would encourage, watch our videos. I mean, there are some really fantastic things. Uh, um, we did a video, just for instance, we did a video where it's kind of boring to watch singers with masks on. So instead, we inserted someone doing uh, a live watercolor art uh, that really mirrors the text that's being sung. And, uh, and so it's kind of a creative way to do this. So watch for these videos. They're coming up on YouTube in the next couple of weeks. Or you can also go to ccapresents.usu.edu and see some of our virtual performances that we've done. Our fingers are crossed that we can sing live uh, coming soon. But in the meantime, watch for whatever we're putting out uh, virtually. It's, it's been a great experience. So tell us again the, the place to go. Uh... Yes, it's CCA presents, no, I'm sorry, CCA presents.usu.edu, and that's the Kane College of the Arts website. Very good. Uh, we have about, so, about seven minutes left in the program. I, I want to uh, you know, pull back a bit and uh, talk about why we do arts. 
what how important arts is. We've made some references to to this during the hour. I'll start with Wendy Hassan. Why why are you involved in the arts? Why is it important? It's like lifeblood to me, honestly. I gravitate towards it, and and maybe that's odd. But Utah is uh, number one in the nation for adults who participate in the arts, who who do the arts, who engage in them. I think it's a part of our mental health. I think it's a part of our, our framing and our creativity and our resilience. And again, understanding those who may be different from us. And so I think it's a vital part of everyday life. Daniel Sharon, I put it this way: Why do you dance? What What is it about dance that what, what does dance do for people? What does the arts do for people? Well, I think um, a viewer watching a piece of contemporary dance, I think that hopefully the dance gives them an opportunity to see themselves up there. And the beautiful thing about dance is it tries to express through movement, which is which what things that are very hard to express through words. And through that experience of, of reflecting and seeing myself up on a stage as an audience member and having the piece of art, um, digging at different subjects or conversations um, that are um, current and, and about humanity, um, hopefully there's a moment that you can step out of your life um, and contemplate things around you, contemplate people that are different than you. Uh, think about things that maybe you wouldn't give yourself space and time to think about. And through that, I always hope that there's a different kind of understanding, a greater understanding that then um, that can create compassion and um, empathy for people in the world and everybody who's different. And we're all actually the same. We all have bodies. We all move. Um, so I think as a viewer, that's that's one way. And then as a participant, it's just getting in touch with your own body. It's finding joy and pleasure through moving. Um, the physical aspects of it are, are really profound. And so there's just so many layers and so many levels that I think dance can really uh, better our community and our compassion towards each other. These kids that, that we work with and they, it, the dancing together it creates trust and, and they have to collaborate and be creative together. And all these things are life lessons that they can take beyond dance. And so it really is rich and profound art form. Corey Evans, why do you sing? What, is, what does singing do? What, uh, what do the arts do? Tom, I, I, I love this question, and I think I can speak for several singers. It, we sing because it, it, it's how I fit into the world. It, it's how I can contribute uh, to others' lives. Um, I mean, you can just go on and on. Uh, singing is how I uh, know who I am. It's how I fit into the world. And uh, I'm looking so forward to being able to get back with other singers together and to being able to sing to audiences and, and uh, be able to reconnect that way uh, as soon as it happens. It'll be a great day for sure. Uh, finally, uh, I'll start with Wendy Hassan on this. Um, I'm sure you wouldn't turn down help, donations, whatever. How best to help Cash Valley Center for the Arts? Wow. Uh, first of all, let me just say, if I had one thing to say, we're still here. If you have patronized uh, any kind of arts organization, look them up if you haven't been in touch. Find out what they're doing now. Buy tickets if they are offering any in the future. Get a gift certificate. We have been so well cared for 
we have had sponsors call us and say, how are you doing? Do you need our donation early? Do you need it to be used for more than just the project that we offered it for? Do you need more? And how can we help you stay together, keep your team together, keep the buildings, lights on, and functioning? And we're so grateful for that help. We're also grateful for the compliance, for people who are willing to follow the pandemic protocols and gather safely, because without that willingness to wear a mask, without that willingness to keep a distance, we couldn't do what we've been able to do. So my answer is thank you, and keep visiting us, keep patronizing us, and maybe even look up an arts organization you haven't engaged with and do something with that organization, and maybe Bring one more person with you when you go. Good suggestions. And uh, contact point what is cacharts.org. Is that it? Absolutely. And if you go to cacharts.org slash art dash directory, you'll find a host of websites for other arts organizations in Cache Valley. And I know other counties all across the state have similar uh, art directories that you can find. Daniel Sharon, uh, Ryrie Woodbury, how, how can people help? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, financially, we, you know, we're weathering a storm as a nonprofit arts organization, and all of our sources of income um, kind of got dried up a little bit throughout the pandemic. So we were so fortunate with grants, city, uh, county, national support, uh, individual donations. So a lot of what Wendy said is just um, come to see our events, buy tickets if you have the means, donate money to the company. Uh, all that stuff just goes so far. And I think also um, spreading the word. And if it's something that you care about, um, bring somebody, uh, share it on social media, um, express how you feel about it to your friends and, and bring them to a show. And so there, are, there really are so many ways to, to support and um, um, help the company out in this time. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a financially weathering a storm, but we're getting through it. But Boy, we rely on, on people and donations and support through so many different ways. And uh, let's I'm just Googling Ryrie Woodbury. What's the website? Yeah, it's just our name, if you can spell it. It's okay. RyrieWoodbury.com. R-I-R-I-E-W-O-O-D-B-U-R-Y.com. Okay. Yep, very, and they'll find all the information there. All right. Um, Corey Evans, how, how best to help? Well, I'll tell you, the best way to help right now is to just watch our stuff. Watch our videos on YouTube. Search USU Chamber Singers. Uh, there's a whole list of videos. You can search Cash Children's Choir uh, with some awesome videos, American Festival Chorus. Also, listen to our music on iTunes and Amazon. USU Chamber Singers have put out about 10 albums. Listen, comment, put comments in the YouTube videos. The students just love to know that they're that they're touching people and that their music is being heard. And we just appreciate the support that everyone can give. And I'll mention, uh, you made mention here, but AmericanFestivalChorus.org, AmericanFestivalChorus.org, a place to go to help them out, and CashChildrensChoir.org, CashChildrensChoir.org. Corey Evans is involved with them as well. Well, uh, we've enjoyed spending the hour with the three of you. Uh, Corey Evans, uh, Director of Choral Activities at Utah State University, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Daniel Sharon, Artistic Director with the Ryrie Woodbury Dance Company, thank you so much. Thank you so much to yourself. Thanks for the conversation. And uh, Wendy Hassan, Executive Director of Cache Valley Center for the Arts, thank you. Always a pleasure. 
And, of course, uh, check out Cache Valley Center for the Arts. Ryrie Woodbury will be in town on Monday, uh, Monday evening, and you can uh, go and see them. Um, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to Access Utah. I'll just mention here at the end uh, that our uh, program on Monday will uh, be talking about uh, caregiving. Um, and uh, we are going to be talking with the author of a new book on, uh, on caregiving. Um, it's called Already Toast, which is a very intriguing uh, title. Uh, the author um, is uh, Kate Washington. And uh, I'll just read you a little bit of the blurb here. Um, Kate Washington and her husband Brad, uh, when they learned he had cancer, they were a young couple, professionals with ascending careers, parents in two, with two small children. Brad's diagnosis stripped those identities away. He became a patient and she his caregiver. So already toast, caregiving and burnout in America is the story of one woman's struggle to care for her seriously ill husband and a revealing look at the role unpaid family caregivers play in a society that falls, fails to provide them with structural support. That's coming up on Monday, and of course, tomorrow in this hour is uh, Behind the Headlines with Salt Lake Tribune KCBW. Hope you join us uh, then, and thanks for listening today. I'm Tim Light, and we have sort of a unique episode planned for you. We're doing a recap of season one. So we chose four episodes that we wanted to highlight. All right, let's jump in. There's a lot of feelings that come up for me. I think the biggest feeling is probably fear. Stigma is just based around like Native Americans not being functional. And, and I was like, this is going to happen to me. You hear or sort of levels of addiction differ by race. It's not race that's causing that, it's racism. It's the way we treat communities of color and have mistreated communities of color. And so it's not because of some sort of internal genetic differences between us, it's because of the social conditions around us. There's just something about addiction treatment. There's something about us identifying as addicts and then identifying later as people in recovery that gives us this really strong personal like buy-in to, yeah. to holding on to these boxes and these stigmas and such. And I think most of the time it comes from a good place and sometimes it just comes out of ignorance. Debunked, the only Utah podcast combining evidence-based health practices with storytelling to challenge the stereotypes and debunk the myths about harm reduction, opioids, and substance use disorders. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU-FM Logan, and also heard at upr.org.